All right. Hello, Center Point family. So good to be here with you all today. Uh, those of you who are joining us online, so excited that we can be together uh, this weekend. Those of you in other venues, uh, so excited that we can be here at least on campus and still worship the Lord uh, together. So I'm excited to preach and bring the word today. Uh, we are continuing on in our, in our sermon series called The Resistance, right? Us being able to stand our ground against the attacks of the enemy. And honestly, this has been, I can't speak for everybody, but this has personally been one of my favorite series that we have done. It's mostly because I personally love war movies. Uh, I love and the, the old school ones, okay, with the swords and the, the shields and the spears. I personally love those types of war movies. So what better topic for me to talk about today than putting on the armor of God, okay? We're going to talk about putting on the armor of God. And so when we hear the armor of God, a lot of us are instantly brought back to Sunday school, right, where we learned about it, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the shoes of peace, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit. And you got to pose when you say it too, right? <laughs> and also, I don't know if you guys remember this, in Sunday school, you had a little paper when you filled in the armor with colors, right? I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Uh, others of us, as we're listening to me speak, you're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I thought you were quoting something from Power Rangers or something, right? So either way... If you know about the armor of God or not, we're going to talk about it today. So yeah, the, the armor of God sounds a little bit like a child concept, right? Something that we learn to build our confidence as we grow in Christ. But I want to say this, the armor of God is for anyone who struggles with temptation. The armor of God is for anyone who deals with the heaviness of life, the, the, the parts where we feel defeated and vulnerable. The armor of God is for anyone who struggles with temptation. The Bible says that Jesus actually wrestled, not wrestled, but he was faced with temptation and tried just as we were. The Bible says that Jesus, Pastor James spoke, that when uh, Satan approached Jesus in the desert, he defended himself with the word of God. So if Jesus saw a value for the armor of God, we need to see the value for the armor ourselves. Amen. So uh, now I know a lot of us, okay, when we talk about the supernatural stuff, some of us, when we talk about the spiritual, a lot of us are like, you know what, I love Centerpoint, I like the church, the music is pretty cool, Pastor John is awesome, but when it comes to that spiritual stuff, you know, man, I, I just, I'm good, I, I don't know, the angels versus demons, the good versus evil, the light versus darkness, you know what, that spiritual stuff is just not for me, it's a little bit too much, right? We tend to kind of have that inclination to, to respond that way, but here's my challenge, and I want you to hear me with this. If we continue to neglect the spiritual, then we'll not be able to see the spiritual battle that we're in. If we can't acknowledge the spiritual battle, we will render ourselves vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy. No spiritual, no spiritual battle, no spiritual battle, no armor. So I'm here to remind us of a couple things today, okay? First thing, I want to remind you of who God is. John 4, 24 says God is spirit. The second thing I want to remind you of is who we are. We are sons and daughters of a spiritual, powerful, mighty, present God, okay? Remember who you are today. Remember who you are. It, just, it reminds me of the Lion King, the story of the Lion King, right? Simba, uh, you know, he forgets who he is. He runs away from Pride Rock. Uh, Scar and the hyenas take everything over, so he flees and runs away out of shame and guilt because of a lie. Come on, this story is spiritual. He runs away. He goes to this paradise place, uh, Timon and Pumbaa, Guna Matata, no worries. Nala comes and says, hey, man, get back here. Things are going crazy. Simba's like, no, I'm good. And then uh, Mufasa comes from the sky and speaks to him and says, remember who you are, right? I mean, that's, that's the best James Earl Jones impersonation I'm going to do today. <laughs> but then Simba remembers who he is, right? And then he runs in slow motion back to Pride Rock, and he conquers a, a Scar and uh, the hyenas and takes back what belongs to him. Remember who you are today. I know it's a cheesy analogy, but some of you have some ground to recover today. 
Some of you have been pushed around by Satan. Some of you have not equipped yourself with the armor of God to protect yourself. So what we're going to do is we're going to be reminded of who we are and who God is. There is a war being waged on your life. Suit up and put on the armor of God. I want in uh, on the comments, you could put that if you want to, but just turn to someone in your living room and just say, suit up, come on. I know it's cheesy, we're going to be all right. <laughs> there is a war being waged on your life. Suit up. Let's pray. Ah, Jesus, we are here for you. We are here for you, nothing else but you. Lord, sometimes in life we try to strive in our own strength. We try to just do good things and try to good be people, good people, but your word says that none is good except God. You are good on our behalf. So we're able to step into the freedom that is promised to us by you. So, Lord, I pray, Lord, that as we talk about the armor of God, that we would realize that you said that you would remove every heavy burden that we are carrying. You would carry it for us and that you, were, you will equip us to be able to navigate through life in your peace, your grace, your mercy, all that you have to offer us. So, Lord, I pray for a covering over today as we talk about this subject. We love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. This is all for you. Amen. Amen. There is a war being waged on your life. Suit up. Put on the armor of God. Okay, so before we dive in, uh, I just got a, a story or a couple things. Has anyone ever, uh, you know, attempted to uh, approach a certain task or, uh, you know, just do something and you needed to assess to see if you have the right equipment or not, right? So the first thing I can think of, me in my childhood, I played tackle football on concrete with no pads or no helmet. That's pretty stupid, right? Sorry, I don't know if I could say that. It's pretty dumb to do that, right, to not have the right equipment. How about this? How about um, preparing for a baby? Those of you who have had kids, you know that you got to go to the store and purchase some stuff, right? Your, your list for your firstborns this long, your list for your secondborns. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We love our children, right? But you still have to assess to make sure you have everything you need to be pre prepared for that baby. you got to have fingernail clippers. you got to have uh, diapers, a three years worth supply of diapers to manage three weeks. Uh, yeah, Pastor James is in the room. He knows what I'm talking about. Come on. Uh, you got to make sure you have fingernail clippers and even the little mittens to go on their fingers so they don't scratch their faces because when they do, they look at you like you did it and then your baby's mad at you, all this stuff. So you can't even bring the baby home without a car seat. So there's things you have to get to make sure you're ready, right? Uh, okay, how about this one? How about changing the brakes on your car with cheap tools and it almost ends in a catastrophe? So there's a story <laughs> that I have to tell with you. Don't worry, I lived, but just real quick. Okay, so uh, I've always changed my own brakes on my own car. I've done that since I was about 17 years old. Uh, I started driving at 17, and I said, you know what? I can change all my own brakes. I'll save so much money. I was 17 already trying to be cheap. Okay, so uh, I learned how to change my own brakes, and I always did it in my parents' garage because it was easy, and the floor was flat and level, so it was easy to just do one wheel at a time. Okay, so super easy to do so. Fast forward uh, three years, I'm 20 years old, I'm feeling good and prideful and confident. It came time for me to change the, the brakes on my wheels. I went to AutoZone, I picked up brake pads, and I said, you know what, I don't need a new car jack, I don't need to like, uh, you know, get different tools or better tools, more efficient tools. I'm good, I've been doing this, I got my method, I'm good to go. So. It came time for me to change the brakes on my car. I had moved out of my parents' house at this time, and the place I was living at, the ground was not as level as my parents' house. So some of you kind of know where the story may be going. And so I uh, attempted to change the brakes on my car, and I got confident. And you know what I said? I said, you know what? Instead of doing one wheel at a time, I'm going to do two wheels at a time with a small car jack that comes with the car. You know you're not supposed to do this, okay? And so I put the car jack, on the small one underneath the middle of the car, and I raised the front half of the car up. With the tiny little car jack, I can't emphasize this enough. Do not do this. I raised the car up, okay? And I'm feeling good. The, the car jack is not perfectly level on the ground. It's actually tilted like this. The car is shaking. And I said, 
I'm good. I got this. I do, I've been doing this for a while. So I get on my back, and I scoot underneath the car. No skateboard, nothing. I'm just, uh, <laughs> people are shaking their head. Some of you are probably shaking your head right now. I scoot underneath the car, right? And so uh, I, first I got the wheels off. The wheels were good, you know, got those off. I get underneath the car, and I attempt to get the brake clamps off. One side's good. The other side gets stuck, and I can't get it off. So I'm pulling at it. Remember, the car is over me, and it's shaking. And I'm not in fear at all, right? I don't know. Maybe I had confidence. I don't know what it, what it, what it was. But I was pulling at it, and it wouldn't come off. Finally, I say, you know what? This isn't working. So I come from underneath the car, right? And I'm still sitting, and my leg is still underneath the car at this point. I'm pulling on the brake clamp, and it doesn't work. So finally, I remove my leg, and I say, you know what? I need a better stance. I stand on my feet, and I do one more big tug. In that moment, the car, the jack gives out. The car smashes down on its rotors. For two minutes, I sat in silence, and the only thought that went through my mind is this. I almost died just now. <laughs> like, no joke. I was like, I almost died. This is so dangerous. And then uh, I called my friend AJ. He comes in out of nowhere. He brings this gigantic car jack, sticks it underneath the car, four, uh, four pumps, his car's up in the air. He changes the brakes for me. He brings this wireless power drill, puts the wheels back on the brakes, and he's done in 10 minutes. The next day, I went to AutoZone, and I purchased about four to $500 <laughs> worth of equipment. No joke. <laughs> so here's where I'm going with that long story. Uh, I neglected to get the correct tools that I needed to get the job done, right? Because I had my own tools, I had my own method, right? And I said that I'm good to go. And I neglected to go and get a bigger car jack, to go get a better tools to get the wheels off and the brake clamps on. And instead I used my own method and eventually this rendered me vulnerable and it put my life in danger. So oftentimes we do this with our spiritual walk. Instead of using the tools that God has given us, the armor of God, the gifts of the spirit, acknowledgement of his son on the cross to help us get through difficult times of life, what we do is we use our own tools, our own methods for coping with life, and eventually it renders us vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy. So here's what I want to say. Now, when it comes to, you know, the things that we struggle with, I want to be as vulnerable as I can. Can I keep it real with you guys today? I want to keep it as real as we possibly can, okay? I'm going to touch on a couple sensitive things right now. But when I do this, please know that I'm coming from a place of, of, of love and grace as God and Jesus is. But I'm also coming from a place of understanding, okay? I know what it's like to feel depressed. I know what it's like to be treated like garbage. I know what it's like to feel defeated and hopeless and to feel deep, deep voids and pain in my life. I can understand how somebody would come to the conclusion that it's best to just not live life at all. I know what that feels like. And in my experience and in my journey, I realized that a lot of times we find ourselves in spiritual battles that we're unaware that we're in in the first place. A lot of times we just think, well, life just sucks. This is just terrible. And we don't realize that we're actually in a spiritual battle. So here's the thing. If we don't realize that we're in a spiritual battle, oftentimes we seek for physical solutions to fill spiritual voids. We look to the physical to tend to the spiritual sometimes. And it's a natural inclination to do so. We're human beings, right? It's natural for us, you know, if we're feeling like life is not going well, to fill our desires, you know, to, to if I just had this, fill in the blanks. If I just had this, life would be better. If I can just go here, life would be better. I had a long day today. I just need to let loose. And, you know, the world tells us that to satisfy our desires would make us feel happy, right? It's a natural thing to do so. But we can't tend to the spiritual, what, could, what is spiritual, with the physical, because trying to tend to the spiritual with the physical is the equivalent of slapping a Band-Aid on cancer and calling it healed. It doesn't work that way. 
And those of you who have struggled with cancer, those of you who have a loved one who is battling cancer, those of you who have lost a loved one that, uh, because of cancer, you know what? It is a battle. You don't sleep on it. You don't push it off to the side. You want to get in there. You want to get ahead of it. Why? Because your life is on the line. In the same regard, our spiritual walk is on the line. Our life is on the line. We need to put up a little bit of a spiritual fight, but we will not be successful in this fight, everyone, unless we put on the armor of God. There's a war being waged on your life. Put on the armor of God. I want to say this too. Um, just, I mean, you guys probably know this, but Satan does not like you. <laughs> oh, wow. Satan does not like you. He does not have your best interest in mind. He is not for you. He may be able to temporarily give us things that could temporarily satisfy us. But at the end of the day, his primary objective, like Pastor Ann said last week, is to get you to think he doesn't exist and to take you down, to take you out. That is what the devil wants to do, okay? So how do we respond to something like this? How do we respond to the fact that there is an entity or, or some kind of being out there that wants to take and rob us of our life? Here's our response. Prepare yourself for battle. It is time for the sleeping giants to arise. It is time for us to be activated in the spirit. It is time for strong men and women of God to strap on the full armor of God and to stand against the enemy. Jesus won the victory. This isn't a battle between Satan and God like they're equal in power. There's, there's no battle. There's no comparison there. So some of you may be saying, well, well, Donovan, then where's the battle then? You know where the battle is? The battle is us taking our stance to maintain the ground that was covered by the cross. We are, Jesus died for us, and he took ground. He defeated sin. He defeated death. He took away our guilt and shame, and he covered ground for us by the blood of, G of himself and the cross. And what we're doing when we put on the armor of God is we maintain that ground. We maintain that ground. So what is the armor? Let's dive into this, okay? Um, oh, just let me say this real quick. I just feel led by the Spirit to say this. Um, man of God stand your ground. Woman of God, stand your ground. It's time for us to take a stand. It's time for us to look at this for what it is, put on the full armor of God, and to fight for our life. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 11 says this. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Okay, so I have a picture to show you guys. It's not the best picture in the world, okay, but when you type in the armor of God on Google, you get some super cheesy stuff. Like, it's, it's, it's really, really bad. So <laughs> the picture I found is the, the, one, uh, the one that hopefully is showing to you guys right now. Uh, just a cool little visual um, illustration of what that is, okay? Um, finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Uh, verse 12 says this, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Pastor Ann said this last week as well. Our fight is not with one another. Your fight is not with your husband or your wife. Your fight is not with your friends or the people around you. Your fight is not with the person who posted something on social media that you may or may not agree with. That's not where our fight is. Our fight is with Satan. Our fight is with what the Bible says, that the dark forces of the heavenly realms, our fight is with Satan. And Jesus knew this. I love this story, and some of you know this, is when Jesus was talking with his disciples, and he was talking about the coming of his crucifixion, of his death on the cross, right? So he's talking about it, and the Bible says that Peter, bold Peter, Peter pulls Jesus aside, and what does the Bible say? That he rebukes Jesus. 
you got to be pretty bold to rebuke the Son of God, first of all, okay? So he pulls Jesus aside and rebukes him, right? And now I don't know what he said to Jesus, but I imagine it's something along the lines of like, Jesus, how could you say, I don't know why he's holding Jesus' arm, but let's just go with it. He's, Jesus, how could you say that about yourself? Uh, surely you won't die. We won't allow this crucifixion thing to happen, right? And what does Jesus do? Jesus looks through Peter and rebukes Satan. He doesn't attack Peter. He doesn't get mad at Peter for not having the same viewpoint as him. He looks through Peter and calls Satan out. Jesus does not use his authority to fight the flesh. He uses his authority to attack the real enemy, and that is Satan. We need to be able to do the same, church. I hope you hear me today. There's so much division going on right now. There's so much fighting going on right now. Social media with one another, there's so much division. We need to be able to identify the real enemy. It is not one another. It is Satan. Verse 13 says, Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and the breastplate of righteousness in its place. I don't know why I sounded like Dr. Seuss just now. Sorry, it's in the scripture. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which you can use to extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So we're going to break down the armor of God right now, okay? Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about the physical significance of what a warrior would wear and then also the spiritual significance, okay? So first things first is the breastplate of righteousness. So yeah, pretty much the breastplate of righteousness or the breastplate itself would protect the internal organs in the heart of the soldier, right? For any direct attacks against the torso area. Okay, in the spiritual sense, okay, this is where our heart is. This is where our emotions are, right? How we feel, our passions, how we feel about certain things, how we feel about one another. And also, this could be the place where shame and guilt reside as well, okay? So here's the thing. The enemy doesn't even have to send someone to assault you or make fun of you or leave a bad comment on your social media page. He doesn't even have to do that if he can get you to destroy yourself from within. If he can get you to internalize lies about you, oh, I am hopeless, You know, oh, I am this. I am nothing. I will amount to nothing. If he can get you to internalize lies about yourself, he knows that he's won because you are fighting yourself. That's where the heart is, okay? And I love Jesus because he said that he is, Jesus, when he was on earth, he was always about the heart. He says in the scripture that they sing to me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Jesus was all about the heart. And so we walk around with with shame and guilt. And Jesus comes down, dies on the cross, and he says, you know what? Give me that. You don't have to carry uh, shame and guilt anymore. You don't have to carry that because I'm going to take this and and replace it. To replace this, I'm going to give you my righteousness. I'm going to take the sin and the shame and the guilt and the the depression, all this stuff. I'm going to take that away from you. Some of us are walking around with things we don't have to carry anymore. Come on. Jesus said, I'm going to take all of this, and, and to replace this, I'm going to give you my righteousness. Put on the breastplate of righteousness and protect your heart. The belt of truth, okay? So now the belt is what would uh, hold the warrior's armor or the, the cloth together. So you have the armor pieces and you have the cloth that runs underneath the armor. So the belt would pretty much just obviously surround the warrior and make sure that everything was in place, okay? So now with the truth, um, this, the spiritual significance of this is we need to surround ourselves with God and his truth, okay? And so uh, for some of us, maybe that um, entails... 
you know, us getting up in the morning and surrounding ourselves with the, the attributes of God, his holiness, his righteousness, his goodness, and all things that, of God that are his truth. And so maybe for some of us that looks like getting up in the morning and maybe spending some time with the Lord. Maybe that looks like us getting up in the morning and surrounding ourselves in his presence. Turn on some worship music, pray. In another uh, a way, maybe some of us need to um, just carefully assess the people we have, the close-knit friends that we have in our life. I'm not talking about the friends we go out to get coffee with and go grab dinner, you know, and just kind of hang out and catch up. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the people in our lives who we have given access to speak into our lives. Maybe some of us need to be very careful and, and maybe reevaluate the people who we allow to speak into our lives. We need to surround ourselves with God's, with his godliness, his righteousness, his holiness. Surround yourself with God's truth by putting on the belt of truth. The shoes of peace. Okay, so yeah, um, the shoe, so, so it's not really a shoe. It's more of like a boot that goes up to here, but we'll just call it shoe, okay? So now the shoe, the shoes, uh, or the, uh, the armor of the, the boots that the warrior would wear would protect the walk of the soldier, okay? And also against low sword strikes or arrows or anything like that, okay? So now in, in the spiritual, now we are to walk in peace. So now some of you may be asking, how can I possibly walk in peace right now? How is it possible to walk in peace during this time? The racial tension, the COVID-19, who's right, who's wrong, all this stuff. There is no peace, right? It's difficult to walk in peace when there's chaos going on around us, right? But here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that he is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. The foundation in which we walk upon is the gospel. The gospel is the answer as to how we can walk in peace during this season. There's nothing else. And what is the gospel? We can't assume that we all know it. What is the gospel? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, say it with me, that he gave his only son, that whosoever believe in him shall not perish, <laughs> shall not perish but have everlasting life. God not only promises to light up our path, but he promises to protect our path with the gospel of his son. With the gospel of his son. Walk in the victory of the gospel by putting on the shoes of peace. The shield of faith. Okay, so the shield of faith is pretty self-explanatory, all right? So the shield is pretty much the protection of any directional attack, okay? Arrows, swords, whatever. So we know what a shield does. So now, uh, the significance with the shield, uh, for me personally, I'm just, just real quick, uh, there, was a, uh, there was a day that I had that was just a really, really bad day. This was about two years ago. And some of us can recall a day that was just like the bad day of all days, okay? I won't get into the details of what this day was for me, but it ranged somewhere between uh, money not going through in the account that I needed to pay a bill and the garage door not opening when I was trying to leave for somewhere. So it was a huge spectrum of just one thing after another. I kid you not, this wasn't the span of a week. This was one day. It was a terrible day, the worst day ever. It was so bad. You guys, I've been a Christian my whole life, and I must have prayed to God if you're a real prayer. No joke. That's how bad this day was. It's like, Lord, if you're real, and I've been a Christian my whole life. That's how bad this day was. So I came to the end of my day, and uh, the movie Wonder Woman had just come out. And, uh, you know, I was like, you know, I haven't seen it, so I rented it, and I turned it on, and I'm watching it. I'm like, oh, this is a good movie. And then the scene where she steps onto the battlefield, right, to cover ground that hadn't been able to be covered by for two years by the opposing forces, she just walks out there, and, you know, in full armor of, armor, armor of God on. Hey, who knows? She, she walked out there with her armor on. She walks out there confidently, right? They, they launch, like, a, some kind of missile, and she just kind of reflects it and explodes in the background. So cinematic. And then, then comes the scene where they begin to fire everything that they had at her, 
right? Everything, all the bullets started flying. She takes her shield out. You guys have seen the movie. She takes her shield out, and she begins to reflect all of the, the fire from the enemy. Man, I started crying at that part. Man, I usually don't cry. I was like, Jesus, I get it. You are my shield. I'm so sorry, Lord, for not trusting you, right? But I was so emotional during that time because of what that represented to me. All this crazy stuff was happening to me, and I had my shield down. And here's the thing. The, per, the, the, the presence of the shield is not the absence of the arrows. Just because the shield is there doesn't mean the enemy is not going to keep trying to fire some cheap shots at you, Okay. But the shield represents that although the arrows are coming, we could still stand our ground. (laughs) Having faith in God does not mean that life is going to be easy. Having faith in God doesn't mean that hard times are not going to come at us. Having faith in God means that even though life is difficult, we believe that God is exactly who he says that he is. He is exactly who he says that he is. Believe that God will protect you and raise up the shield of faith. The sword of the Spirit. Man, I love this one. I love this one. Whew, come on. The sword of the spirit. Okay, so now we have this armor to protect ourselves, right? We're protected against strikes of the enemy, right? But every, you know, and we're on the defense. But every once in a while, we have to come off the defense and go on the offense. Amen? Sometimes we have to be able to, to, to lunge at the enemy. And you know what's so awesome? That weapon that he gives us, the Lord gives us, is the most powerful weapon in the world. And it's still not in our own strength. <laughs> the weapon he gives us is the word of God. The word of God, the Bible says that it is sharper than any two-edged sword. This has the ability to penetrate the flesh and soften hearts. This is the powerful word of God. And so what happens is with the word of God, we use it to cancel the assignments of the enemy. We use it to cancel the assignments of the enemy. So here's the thing. Where the devil speaks death, we speak life with the word of God. He speaks death over your marriage, you speak life into your marriage. He speaks death into your kids and your children and your family, you speak life into your family. You speak life into your business. You speak life over yourselves, and you cancel out the assignments of the enemy. Do not let the enemy punk you around anymore. It's time to stand and use the word of God to tear down the strongholds of the enemy. Tear down enemy strongholds with the sword of the Spirit. Last but not least, the helmet, the helmet of salvation. So I saved this one for last on, on purpose, okay? The reason being is the helmet is, you know, in the physical sense, the helmet is the most important piece of the armor that a soldier can wear. Why is that? Well, you could get struck in the arms, the torso, and the legs, and you have a, you know, your chances of survival are still pretty good. You get, stru- you get struck from the neck up, you're done. You are done immediately. The helmet of the soldier was the most vital piece of armor that a soldier could wear, okay? Now, in the spiritual sense, think about this for a second. What is the significance, you know, of our, our face, our head, our brain? It's, it's our interaction with the world around us, right? It's how we interact with the people around us. It's how we process information, okay? And so I have seen so many pastors, so many Christians, so many ministry leaders fail because they have left this exposed. And so here's where I'm going with this. A lot of us as Christians, we walk around, we have the shoes of peace, we walk firmly in the gospel, we have the belt of truth, we're surrounded by his presence, we have the shield of faith, right, we believe that God is exactly who he says that he is and he's going to protect us, right, we have the breastplate of righteousness, we have no doubt in our identity as a son or daughter of God, we believe that God is with us and he's for us, we have the sword of the spirit, we have uh, verses memorized and we can sling out scripture like nobody's business, but we forget to put our helmet on, and here's where I'm going with this. We need to better manage our thought life. We need to be careful of what we consume. The movies we watch, the TV shows that we favor, 
the websites we go on that are inappropriate. I'm not going to go into too much detail on that because this is a family service, but you know exactly what I'm talking about. The people we're friends with on social media that we scroll through that we know we're probably not supposed to. And you know what? We know what we tell ourselves, you know, and somebody, some people would tell me, oh, Donovan, come on, it's not a big deal. It's not, you know, come on, it's just fun. I just, I like this and I enjoy this, right? And we satisfy our flesh and we don't realize that our spirit is taking a toll. Galatians chapter 5 says what? That the spirit wishes to do what is contradictory to the flesh. The flesh wishes to do what is contradictory to the spirit. There's this constant battle between the flesh and the spirit. We need to be careful of what we consume. It matters. We need to better manage our thought life. My son Ian, he's four years old. He's going to be five in August. Uh, but we were, there was this time when we were hanging out at the house, and uh, it got dark. So, you know, the sun was up, obviously, and then it got, the sun went down, and it got dark. And this wave of terror swept over Ian. And I was like, whoa, dude, <laughs> are you okay? Like, he was trembling, you know, from just like that, from literally like from uh, 6 o'clock to 6.30 when the sun got down. He just overwhelmed with fear. And so, you know, I sent my other son, Caleb, upstairs, and my wife, Cassandra, and my daughter, Arya, had already gone up. So it was just me and Ian. And I'm talking to him, and I said, hey, buddy, what's wrong? You know, he says, Dad, I watched something on TV that scared me, and I know you told me not to watch this show, but I watched it anyways. And, uh, you know, now I'm too afraid of the dark, and I'm too afraid to go to sleep because I'm afraid this thing will get me, is what he said to me. And so I looked at him, and I reminded him of a couple things. Like I mentioned earlier, I reminded him of who God is. And I reminded him of who he is. I told him, hey, son, did you know that God is this big? He's not, God's not really this big, but still, for the analogy. I said, do you know that God is this big and the thing that you're scared of is about this big? And God's going to step on this thing like a bug. And he started laughing and the, the mood got a little bit lighter. And then uh, we went into a time of prayer and uh, I prayed over him. And then uh, I asked him to pray over himself. At the, end of, at the end of his prayer, he says this. He says, fear I command you to go to hell where you belong. I mean, I may have encouraged him to say that, but man, I was such a proud dad. I was thumping my chest. I was like, yes, you heard that devil back up. <laughs> I was so proud of my son. But Ian took control over his thought life. We need to take control over our thought life. So now when it comes to thoughts, though, a lot of times, okay, when thoughts come in, we own them, okay? Here's the thing. When we accepted Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior, the Bible says that we have the mind of Christ. So any thought that comes into your atmosphere or comes into your mind that is not of Jesus is trespassing. Any thought that comes into your mind that is not of the Lord does not belong there. We need to stop owning these lies of the enemy and taking them on. And you know what I do sometimes? I must look so stupid doing it, but you know what I do? it, And it, it works for me, okay? Maybe I can encourage some of you to do it. If I'm ever sitting somewhere, minding my own business, arrow comes or a thought comes that is not of the Lord, you know what I do? I say it out loud. I say, absolutely not. I see you. I acknowledge you. Now I'm going to command you to go to the feet of Jesus where you belong. I say this out loud. And you know what, man, my, I'm, not just, I'm not gloating about this. This actually works for me, and I want to encourage some of you to do it as well. The Bible says to take captive our thoughts and surrender them to Jesus. we got to stop owning these lies that are spoken over us. We have the mind of Christ. There is a war being waged on your life. Put on the armor of God. So how exactly do we put on the armor of God? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. Um, I, uh, one more cheesy picture, but, it, you know, it's the last cheesy picture, I promise. It's one my wife found on Instagram, uh, but it's the picture of um, she's praying, and she's like this in the natural, 
But then in the mirror, it shows um, her with the armor on. I don't know if we can show. Yeah, there it is. It shows her with the, with the armor on. We put on the armor of God in our worship, in our prayer. And you know what I love about this passage in verse 18? It says this, that we are to pray the armor on one another. We are to pray the protection of the people around us. Instead of fighting one another, we need to pray the armor of God on one another. And church, please be praying for the armor upon our pastor. Please be praying for the armor around our leadership team. Please be praying for the armor around me. Please be praying for the armor around other people around you right now. We need to be protected by the armor of God during this season. We are to pray for the armor of God upon one another. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close with this, um, just this analogy, okay? And the, the analogy is pretty much saying that we, we need to let the devil know where we stand, okay? So here's what I mean by this. I mentioned earlier that a lot of times we see uh, God and the devil as if they go toe-to-toe, as if they are equal in power, as if they are equal in authority, um, as if they have the same power, you know, um, because God is, he can see the future, he knows our thoughts, uh, he knows the hearts of man, right? He knows everything. And so and, and a lot of times we think that the, that the devil is the same way, that he can see the future, that he knows our thoughts, right? But the devil can only respond to what he sees and observes you do. The devil can only respond to the areas of your armor that, are, that is vulnerable, okay? So sometimes, I know a lot of us are internal, but sometimes we have to let the devil know audibly where we stand as children of God. And so uh, I'm going to be... Uh, very vulnerable right now in this moment. Um, I've asked uh, Andrew and um, our production team to help me out with this quick illustration. Uh, some of it is kind of silly, you know, and some of it's kind of serious, but either way, uh, uh, I hope that this illustration kind of clearly um, kind of brings you insight to my own life and how I wrestle with some of the things, the thoughts that come into my mind and how I battle against Satan and take a stand. So uh, let's go ahead and, and do that. Man, you look terrible. You've got large feet, a big nose, and you are definitely not in the same shape you were when you were 24 years old. Sir, you are embarrassing. Psalm 139 verse 14 says that I am actually fearfully and wonderfully made. God's works are wonderful. I know that full well. In Jesus' name. You will never be a good enough songwriter. The music you create is mediocre at best and will never be anything compared to Bethel and Elevation and Hillsong and other great music out there. Your talent is an absolute waste. You should just stop writing music altogether. Also, I know Pastor John asked you to preach today, but let's just face it, you belong hidden and tucked behind that keyboard. You are not a preacher. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Philippians 1 verses 6 says, He who has begun a good work in me will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. Your family is not safe. Your children will grow up and wander and walk away from the faith. Your marriage isn't even as strong as you think that it is. It is only a matter of time before something comes along that will destroy your family. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. You will not have my family. You will not have my sons. You will not have my life. You will not have my wife or my marriage. Romans chapter 8, verse 37 says, in all things, I am more than a conqueror to him who loves me. Stop 
letting the enemy push you around. It is time for us to stand to put on the armor of God and to defend ourselves against the enemy's attacks. He is going to be relentless. Over and over, he's going to try to fill our heads and our minds and our thoughts with things that are not of the Lord. So I'm asking you today to take a stand, not with me, but with God, and to maintain the ground that was covered by the cross. I want to pray in this moment right now. And I want to do two prayers and two activation moments right now. But the first thing I want to do is, and I say this a lot, the most important thing that can happen in our service at Centerpoint is that people come into a deeper revelation of who Jesus Christ is. We can have an amazing message. We can have amazing music. We can have an amazing production. And all these things are important. But at the end of the day, the most important thing is that people come to Jesus. So those of you watching right now, maybe some of you uh, have felt a little disconnected from this message because you have yet to accept and receive Jesus. And so I want to provide that opportunity right now for you. The Bible says, like I said earlier, that God so loved you. He so loved you. Actually, Ephesians says that he already made up his mind about you. There's nothing we can do to separate us from the love of God. Ephesians says that he pre, uh, he made up his mind in advance of how much he loved you, that he knew from the beginning he was already going to have to sacrifice his son for you. There's no question. There's no second guessing. There's nothing that you can do to make you say, well, you know what? I guess I'm outside of the grace of God. I guess this doesn't apply to me. I guess I can't put on the armor of God. I guess I can't protect myself. You find yourself taking steps back away from God, but he's like, no, just take one step and you're back into my presence. All it takes is just one uh, yes or one response to the salvation and the gift that I have already provided for you. Take a step into it today. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. And if you want to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, uh, let us know. The Bible says that every soul that is saved, the angels rejoice. And you know who else rejoices? We, as your Centerpoint family, will rejoice with the angels over your salvation. So let's not take this moment lightly. Respond to the call of the Lord upon your life in this moment right now. Don't let it pass you by. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. If you want to receive Jesus, just say something like, Father, I know that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. Father, I know that my works and my actions alone were never going to be good enough to receive your grace. And maybe you would say, Father, I know that uh, the sending of your son to die on the cross for my sins is all that I need. It is enough for me. So I accept Jesus into my life. I lay down the old and I step into this, this new life that you have for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Just real quick, I want to celebrate you. If you uh, made that commitment today to follow Jesus, we celebrate you. We celebrate you in this moment. And uh, for all of us who say, you know what, you know, I'm a Christian and, you know, I've been following the Lord my entire life, but, you know, um, there's been some parts of my armor that has been vulnerable. Well, I want to remind us of a couple things right now, and we're going to sing a song in just a second. But there's a couple things that I would like to call all of our strong men and women warriors of the Lord to do. First things first, acknowledge that there is a realm in which the spiritual battle is taking place over you. Number two, start off every day by putting on the armor of God through prayer and also pray for others around you to be equipped with the armor of God as well. Number three, stand against the enemy. Verbally let him know where you stand. Mothers and fathers, pray over your children. Pray over your marriages. 
pray over your life. My mother used to, I used to come home from school and I used to hear my mother in my room uh, speaking in tongues and praying and <laughs> putting oil all over the room, interceding on my behalf because I was going through a difficult time. And those prayers worked. There's something strong about the prayers of a mother. I'll tell you that much. Lastly, now this is the part of my message that I asked the Lord. I said, Lord, please don't make me say do this. But I just, I felt so driven by the Holy Spirit to, to go here in this moment. So um, there is, a, there is an, a, an expression of worship in the Hebrew, and it's called barak. And it is to kneel in reverence for God. And so I know now, this is why I was so hesitant. The thought of kneeling, especially during this season, there's so much with that. There's so much controversy with that right now. But honestly, in my spirit, I feel like that is exactly what Satan would try to do to this particular expression. But I want to let you know that once we pray, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, once we put the armor of God on and we pray the armor on others, how do we fight? We fight on our knees in worship. We fight on our knees in worship to the Lord. This is the posture that we take when we fight our battles. This is the posture we take when we yield to the king. In old times, a person's head was not permitted to be above the king. When the king would enter the room, they would sit. If a king would sit, they would bow in reverence for the king. And so when we submit, it's not, it's not a, uh, a derogatory thing or a demeaning thing. To surrender to the Lord is a beautiful thing. It is the answer and solution to the battles that we fight. So the worship team is just going to lead us in this song right now. And we're just going to lift this song up to him. But this is how we lift our voices and sing. This is how we fight against the enemy. And we sing, this is how I fight my battle. Thank you, Jesus. This is how I fight my battles in worship. This is how. Let's just sing that again. This is how I fight my battles. Thank you, Jesus. This is how I fight my battles. Praise you, God. This is how I fight my battles. This is how. This is how. This is how I fight my battles. This, this is, is how I fight my battle. Oh, on holy ground. This is how I fight my battle. Completely yielded and surrendered to the Lord, to the King of this Kings. This is how I fight my battle. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. We are victorious by the blood this of the Lamb. He is going to complete this the work in our lives. Is he has got everything this under is control. He will be our protection. <laughs> he will be our shield. All of our faith and our trust is in the Lord. Come on, let's keep singing that again. This is how I fight my battles. Yes, God. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how Come on, let's keep declaring that. This is how I fight my battle. Come on, church. This is how I fight my Come on, this is how the battle is won. This is how I fight my battle. We fight from the victory. Come on, man. Come on, let's keep going. This is how I fight my Come on, press in just a little bit more. Press in just a little bit more. This is how I fight my battles. 
This is how I, one more time we sing, this is how. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. Yes. This is how.